Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Debrief Podcast. How are you yeah, doing? It's good to have you in here. It's been I, a while. I know. I'm excited to be here. It's good to be with you and all of our audience. Yeah. Ready to jump into these questions? Yeah, yeah. Some good ones today. Yeah, Thank you, very guys. Very good. Thank you guys for sending in questions. Um, these are great. So we have our first one is from Annie Moss. Yes. Annie Love Moss Annie. loves our show. It's yes. just awesome. <laughs> so um, anonymous from Kelseyville, California. Yes. She says, hi, love the debrief. Thank you. Um, I share it all the time. Please don't share my name though. My husband and I, both longtime Christians, have talked a lot about how much money to give, and it's always a struggle. I can't convince him to give 10% because he has seen Christians go into debt, and he thinks we don't have enough income to give that much. I know God would provide for us, but he thinks it's irresponsible. I have a lot of anxiety about this. I know God wants us to be more generous. I am praying about this a lot. What else would you recommend I do? Every time it gets brought up, he gets upset with me because we've talked about it so many times before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Annie Moss. And so I I would say this, uh, you know, in last week's message, I talked about the fact that Tammy and I fought about a lot of things, but Mm -hmm. we've never fought about money. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is when we got married, we decided our money was God's. Yeah. And so when we're talking about what we give, we're talking about what percentage of God's money we're mm-hmm. giving back to God. Mm-hmm. And so we've always been in agreement on that. And even with the the generous like Jesus, for those of you who don't know, we're asking for um, our committed givers to give over and above a one-time gift to try to help us raise $2.2 million extra dollars for really exciting things like parking lots <laughs> and roof repairs and some more exciting things like um, we need to update some of our classrooms. Like at your campus, you guys have more space than we know what to do yeah. with, but a lot of campuses don't have that. Uh, our Woodcrest campus needs an update in terms of their uh, portable units. They're 40 years old. Wow. And so the jacks that they're sitting on are literally rotting out. So we need mm. to, the walls are sideways. So <laughs> we need to update that. Our Menifee campus has no kid space. Um, one of the things we want to give to, so really think about this way, people, um, technology, and places. So yeah. the places are the parking lots, roofs, and classrooms. People are, we want to give our staff raises. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not getting a raise, and that's not to toot my own horn, but I just want people to know I don't need a raise. Tammy and I are doing great. It is our lower end employees that are mm-hmm. really struggling with the rising cost of gas, groceries, yeah, rent, everything. Everything in California is so high. Uh, my daughter was so discouraged. She was talking to a relative of hers from Ohio and they bought a house <laughs> and their house payment with 8% interest is lower than my daughter's rent. Oh, I bet. And she was just so discouraged. And so California is just a unique challenge and I'm committed to California. I want to stay in California. And for those of our listeners who like the debrief and you live in another state, great. God bless you. Uh, pray about what you can give for us that are committed to California. I feel like a lot of times for those Christians in other states, I get it. You've moved your family. Mm -hmm. You want what's best for your family. But think of California as the front lines. Mm -hmm. Like I'm on the front lines losing soldiers Mm -hmm. (laughs) who are going to other states. And oftentimes it's our best servants. It's our best givers. It's our most mature Christians. And that's been really hard the last three years. So Sandals will hit an all-time high in baptisms this year. I think we're going to break 1,300 baptisms this year. It's incredible. But those are new believers. And so she's talking about my husband and I have been Christians Christians for a long long time. time. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, imagine the couples that are just sitting in church. And I'm saying, okay. 
So what I would say is for our debrief listeners that go to other churches, if you if you listen to Sandals content and you go to another church, I'm not asking you to take the tithe from that church. Uh, I don't believe that you should do that. I believe you should tithe your local church. But pray about, hey, God, since I'm blessed by Sandals, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tammy and I were uh, in Ireland when I last I, you know, I saw you. I was there for 10 days. We gave at both churches we attended. Mm-hmm. And we gave good offerings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God says don't say what to give, but um, we gave a substantial offering to each church because I care about what's happening in Europe. Yeah. And I didn't take that away from Sandals. Yeah. We gave that over and above. And I was so grateful that I'm married to a wife who said, we're going to give, right? Mm-hmm. She said that to me when it was mm-hmm. time for offering. And, you know, we like to support your ministry. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully we'll get to do that again yeah. this year on Giving Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I love what you and your husband do. It's an amazing ministry. And I, I always love opportunities to give because the Lord has blessed me. So what I would just say is if you like the debrief, if you like Sandals Church content, please support us in this Generous Like Jesus um, um, offering. We're, we're going to have a special day where you can give that. You can start on Giving Tuesday. Um, and I don't know if this this episode will come out probably after that. Yeah. So, uh, but you can just give that in and just send it in and write on your check or whatever Generous Like Jesus mm-hmm. offering so that we know that it's over and above. Um, and we know not to count on that because if you go to another church, you know, Sure. You need to give there and support there. Um, but for the people that call Sandals Church home, like Annie Moss here from Kelseyville, and I don't know where that is. Yeah, I've uh, never California heard of is that. such a huge state. I have no idea where all the towns are, uh, especially the Vils. Yeah. Don't know where those. <laughs> it's got to be somewhere in the middle. But let me let me say <laughs> this. Um, I think that tithing is is a is is an Old Testament teaching, and I'm actually going to talk about this in a couple of weeks because Jesus actually speaks about it. I've heard a lot of Christians say, "Well, Jesus never taught us to tithe." Well, actually, it's recorded both mm-hmm. in Luke and Matthew. And what I'm going to say is Jesus affirms the tithe. He says, yes, you should tithe is actually the best way to translate what he says. But he says, do not neglect the greater things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's important for Christians. We we live under the covenant of grace. You don't have to tithe. I do not believe that. Um, the reason that I have been a tither is when I read through scriptures, there was a couple of things. And you're going to hear this in my message is, you know, when I'm going to go through where tithing starts, um, why it was a part of the law. But the basic two things, there are three reasons that I do it, four reasons, excuse me. Number one, um, Jesus affirms it. He said, this is a good thing. And so he spoke on it. So anything that Jesus says is good and I should do, I'm going to do. I don't have to do it. I don't live under the law. I live under grace. Next, Malachi says that God blesses the tithe. Mm -hmm. And that's, so when I read, okay, if I do this, the Lord blesses this. That's another one for me. Um, And then, and then. You know, next, the church needs it. If all of our tithers stop tithing, sandals would go bankrupt tomorrow. And everyone who's not a tither needs to hear that. Mm-hmm. They're carrying a load that you're not carrying. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just the truth. And everyone needs to decide, you know, what they do. But in my household, my kids have opinions about what, how we spend our money. And I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Because they're not paying the bills. Right. When I listen to criticism of Sandals Church, I always want to know, is this person rowing in the boat? Is that person tithing? And if they're not mm-hmm. rowing in the boat, and what I mean by that is giving, serving, attending, then I just, look, thanks for your opinion. Mm-hmm. But whenever whenever you whenever you get criticized, always consider the source. Mm-hmm. Always consider the source. And it's easy to criticize the church when you're not in it. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing when you're, when you're in it, you're saying, hey, I love our church. I'm, I'm concerned. So what I would say is this. You have talked about it multiple times with your husband and you need to honor him. So what I would do is I would say, what is a percentage that you're comfortable with giving? Mm-hmm. And let's start there. So maybe it's 2%, it's 3%. And let's see what God does. Yeah. 
So giving, tithing specifically, is the only area where the Lord says, put me to the test. Yep. The Bible actually says, don't test God. Yeah. But in this, <laughs> he says, test me. And so I would just say, Let, let's do this. And, and so let me push back a little bit on your husband. Christians don't go into debt because of tithing. They go into debt because of spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I would say is what tithing teaches us to do is manage our money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's, the best, it's the best teacher. And uh, Tammy and I are blessed because I think we've learned, okay, we got to live off 90%. So if I have to live off 90% and my neighbor gets to live off 100%, who has to be better with their money? Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very, very careful with where I give my money and what I do with my money. And the Lord has always blessed me. I talked to a young man after, I think it was the 10 o'clock service at Hunter Park last week. And he just said, you know, Matt, I, I've, not, I've not been a tither. He said, I was really convicted by your message. I think it was during the Essential Series mm-hmm. where we talked about giving. And he said, I just decided to do that. Mm-hmm. He's been in litigation with the state of California for a couple of years about some back pay that they owe him. He said he put his first offering in and the check appeared the next day, $6,000. <laughs> wow. That awesome. Yeah. So, and you can say, okay, well, that's circumstance, but that's providence. Yeah. The absolutely. Lord provided for him. And he just said, I'm never going to not give again. Yeah. And I'm not saying it will always work that way. But I've experienced this. You know, Tammy and I have not just tithed. We give over and above the tithe mm-hmm. of the Sandals Church. And there's been some issues where, okay, Lord, how am I going to get my kids through college? Mm-hmm. And Harper Collins comes to me and says, we want you to write two books. Mm-hmm. And guess how much money it is? It's exactly what I need Praise to get God. my kids to yeah. college. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's the Lord. And I didn't pursue this. I didn't, um, I didn't try to get a book deal. Mm-hmm. And they literally said, I said, I don't have two ideas. They're like, it's okay. We'll sign we'll you. Figure to, it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and I was able to do that. And so God has always said, trust me. Yeah. And so here's the thing about trust is it has to be tight or it's mm-hmm. not trust. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, there's there's various teachings about the window, widow who gave all she had. And, and I don't want to get into all the theological ramifications of that because I think it's understood. It's misunderstood oftentimes. But Jesus is saying, you gave out of your abundance and she has given all she's had. And so there's this element where I want my giving to be a step of faith. So what I would say for your husband, who's been a Christian for a long time, if it's not a little sketchy, it's not faith. Mm -hmm. So, so his number needs to be, needs to push him. Your number needs to be grace filled. Yeah. Um, And especially for the wives that are stay at home moms, I think this is really important. There's a lot of pressure and I'm not saying she is, But if he's the income earner, Mm -hmm. you really need to make sure you're not putting more pressure on him and you're helping him and encouraging him. And whatever he decides to give, let's celebrate that. Yeah, absolutely. 2%, 3%, 5%, 6%. And then maybe what you say is every year, okay, God, we started at 3%. God provided. Mm -hmm. Can we go to three? Mm -hmm. Can we go to four? Can we go to five? And then one day you'll be like, we're Tammy. And I think we're right around 13, 14% a year is what we give. And, and I don't say that to brag because the Bible says when you say what you give, you, you that's, your that's, your, that's your reward right there. So I'm sacrificing my reward for Annie Moss from Kelseyville. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I've, I've never been outgiven by God. And yeah. I, I love, I've made a lot of dumb purchases in my life. Every time I walk into one of our churches, I just thank God. I'm just like, thank you, God, that I've, I've lived my life supporting your kingdom. And I'm mm-hmm. just grateful for that. And here's the thing. For everyone listening, the whole book of Philippians is about a thank you letter for the gifts that they sent. Yeah. And there's this line that many Christians fail to recognize. Paul says, this gift will be accredited to your account. That's right. 
when I read that, I was like, okay, when I get to heaven, mm -hmm. I want there to be an account. Mm -hmm. And I want, I want God to know that I served him. And there's going to be a lot of selfish Christians who miss out. And here's what God says. He's going to bless that account a hundredfold in heaven, mm -hmm. in the new kingdom. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> forever, mm -hmm. like forever. And, and I believe in forever. I believe in the kingdom. I believe in the return of Jesus. And I want that credit to my account. So what I would do is love your husband and then honestly come up with a number. And here's the thing. Don't double cross him. Mm -hmm. Celebrate it mm -hmm. and encourage him and say, I'm so grateful for the number that you've decided. And I'm going to follow you as a spiritual leader of our house. And I'm going to ask that God blesses that. Yeah. So for a lot of stay-at-home moms, what I would do is, is there are there things that I can do outside the home temporarily so that we can give mm -hmm. bring in more income so, that, yeah. so, so just so you say okay so we we can't do 10 percent. what if i could do something that allowed us to tithe? yeah so so there are workarounds and so you know because i because again if you've made the commitment to stay at home that's a commitment mm -hmm. so don't go out and get 100 percent and then give 10 percent. say okay what if i upped our income by 10 percent, and i did that and then we gave all of that. Mm -hmm. So, so, so talk about this. And, and oftentimes in marriage, right, we get in our corners and say, okay, let's brainstorm. Mm -hmm. What could we How do? How can we do this? How can we do this? And, and talk about that. And, and just know that when you're talking solutions, God's on your side. Mm -hmm. Anybody can be a critic. Let's talk solutions. How do we solve this? And this is a, a huge thing. And so let me just take time to thank everybody mm -hmm. uh, who gives to our church. Uh, man, I just, I love you. I appreciate you. You have no idea. The worst part of my job is fundraising. I don't know about you guys for your charity, but I hate it. Yeah. I absolutely hate fundraising. Um, now, I do like talking to people about how to live for God. You know, it's so funny. I, I talked to my mom. I preached on greed. I said, how'd you like the sermon, mom? She's like, can you like a sermon like that, <laughs> you know, and my mom is always so encouraging, but you know, greed gets at a really, really dark place in most of our hearts. Mm -hmm. And it's, it was so funny. Someone came up to me after the 10 o'clock service, I'm talking to our crew and said, do you think someone will confess greed? I said, no way. That's crazy. I've yeah. never thought about, you no. know, how it's something that all of us really struggle yes. with. And um, my daughter was, she was watching, listening to the sermon with me on Sunday. She bought something online and she had a gift card. And she says, now, Pastor Matt was talking about generosity. Would you like to contribute, mom, to my purchase? And I'm yeah. like, that's not what he was talking about. Yeah, He's talking no, about no. giving to the Lord. But I think it's so important to even, um, we were raised like this. Yeah. You know, I was raised like this giving to the Lord. My husband's dad was our pastor, um, since I was 11 years old. And this was, it was like a, it wasn't even something that we questioned. We give yeah. to God. And, um, I'm, I'm always, you know, wondering how can I give more? What else can I do for, this is God's house. Yeah. Like, I don't want at the end of my life to go, well, what did I do with all my money? Yeah. Well, I just bought more and more and more things and I didn't contribute. And this is how God pays for his stuff with his kids. Like mm -hmm. the government's not coming to give us anything. They're trying to take stuff away. Yeah. Like we need all of us in the body of Christ. If we just did what each of us had in our hand to do, yeah. then we would get this done. I mean, the gospel could be funded 10 times over if we just gave. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, I preached that message multiple times. Um, and it's amazing how each service receives it. Mm. Some were celebrating and yeah. some were in just abject horror. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, 
oh my gosh. And greed is an ugly sin yeah. that affected Eve and Adam. Mm-hmm. And then it affected Cain when he killed Abel. Yeah. And it affects all of our lives today. And so I'll be praying for you. And again, guilt, whenever we use guilt, it's not God. Mm-hmm. So what God wants to do is touch your husband's heart. And so what I would just start doing is praying for raises. Yeah. Praying for raises. Lord, man, I pray that you just bless my husband uh, with opportunities and promotions and and pray that way. Pray that God would bless your giving. Mm-hmm. I don't pray for God to bless my getting. God bless my giving. Mm-hmm. And um, man, that's huge. So it's huge. That's great, great awesome. question. Thank and again, you. thank you everybody who gives. And I'll be praying for all the couples that are not on the same page. Yeah. On this issue. Amen. That's good. Um, okay, Vivian from Ontario, California. She says, is it true that Leviticus 18, 20, 22 was changed in 1946 to say homosexual when it used to say young boy? Okay, part of this is yes, part of this is no. So um, for any of our gay friends that are listening, this is part of the LGBTQ's hack when it comes to biblical interpretation. So what people do when they want to attack the scriptures is they say the words have been changed. The words have all been changed. English is an evolving language. Right. It's a growing language. It's a learning language. Like I did an interview with our, our young people and it was, I had to dip chicken in hot sauce and eat it. <laughs> and then they asked me slang and yeah. they asked me, do you know what he's got the riz means? <laughs> and I, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a new word that they've created sure. and it means grizzly bear. Like, like you have the, like, I, like you're, you're tough and, and yeah. you, you attract, you know, you yeah. have the riz. I didn't know what it meant, but that's a new word. Mm-hmm. Now it's describing something that we would say machismo. Mm-hmm. We would say, um, you know, like the nineties, that guy's the dog. Mm-hmm. He's got the dog in him or whatever. You know, that guy's hardcore. That guy's rad in the eighties. So it's describing something that's always been true. It's just using a new word. And so that's where the word homosexual comes up. It's a new word mm-hmm. that's to cre- that's created in English to describe something that, um, was always there in the Bible. So no, it does not say young boy. And I hear this time and time again, <laughs> from my gay friends who want to challenge my interpretive understanding of scripture. Um, and specifically for us as Christians. So who, who cares what Leviticus says? Throw Leviticus out. What did Paul say yeah. <laughs> in Romans chapter one? The word is anthropos and it means men, mm-hmm. men who have sex with men. And so th- what's condemned here, and here's why I don't like the word homosexual, because like as a straight person, I'm a heterosexual. Am I currently sinning right now as a heterosexual? No. no, right. And the same is true as a homosexual. So you have an attraction towards your same sex. That doesn't mean that you're living in a constant state of sin. Mm-hmm. What it means That's is good. is when you uh, stimulate yourself, so you look at gay porn, you engage in gay sex, you do the act. So here's what the Bible says. And this is hard for Christians. It's much easier for the Jewish people mm-hmm. because they understand actions as sin. As Christians, we really, really get wrapped up into thoughts and, and um, you know, you know, well, thinking about murder is the same thing. No, think about killing me all day. Just please don't actually do mm-hmm. it. So there is a difference between thoughts and action. And Jesus speaks in hyperboles oftentimes, which is an exaggerated way of speaking to make a point. Mm-hmm. So when he says, if you've look, even looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already. It's a hyperbole. It's an exaggeration to make a point. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is, look, you guys all struggle. Mm-hmm. Let's quit. Let's quit doing this. But it's not the same thing to look at a woman and go, oh, she's attractive Mm -hmm. and to have adultery. It's just not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in Leviticus, 
and all the way through Scripture, what is condemned is anal sex between a man and a man, mm-hmm. or um, and I don't, I don't know what, what, what I don't know what you call lesbian sex, vaginal sex between a woman and a woman. I, I don't guess. know what that's called. Yeah. Um, and so maybe somebody can write into the show and tell us what that means. I, I don't no know what, what that, that is, but basically what it is is a woman's body is meant to receive, a man's body is meant to give. And so when you violate that sexually, you're violating masculinity mm-hmm. for the man and you're violating femininity for the woman. And so, um, and then Paul says in First Corinthians, he does something extraordinary. He makes it even so in the in the Greek world and Roman world, you were only gay. I'm using that word. They wouldn't have used that word if you were the one receiving. receiving. Mm-hmm. Paul says, no, 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 no. Both the one who has the strong hand and what he means by that is the aggressor, the one playing the male role and the effeminate is how you could the, the, the one who's playing the female role. Mm-hmm. Both are wrong. Mm-hmm. And so he 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 gives us stark clarity. So what it says in Leviticus is what I believe Paul is trying to say in uh, Romans chapter one and in first Corinthians and in first Timothy. And what he says there is that the actual language is a man who beds a man. And so then what the gay community says, well, that's, and it's okay. Well, like if your husband says to you, Hey, you want to go to bed? Right. He does not mean let's go night night. Yeah. He doesn't mean, <laughs> let's, sleep. He doesn't mean right. let's get some rest. Right. He's saying, let's make love. Yeah. Let's have sex. Right. I don't know what you guys call it in your house, but he says he, that's what he means. And that's the same thing that what Paul is meaning here. Mm-hmm. A man who beds another man like a man that beds a woman. Mm-hmm. So he tells us what right. it means. This, this is an abomination to the Lord. And so, yes, there were there were instances where um, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, it was gay prostitution. That mm-hmm. was a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was not um, the only problem. And so, um, you know, my gay friends, I love you. I hear all kinds of things. Well, they wouldn't have understand in the Roman world. They wouldn't have understand love. Well, there's a great book. Um, I shouldn't say great. I should not say great book. There's an interesting book written by Juvenal, and Juvenal is a first century Roman who writes about all kinds of things. It's called Juvenal Satire, and I think he's got 16, and I believe it's in Satire 9 or 10. Don't quote me, but it's a letter between two gay friends mm. talking about their romance, mm. and it is rough. Yeah. Like, mm. I mean, I was reading it out loud to my wife. She's like, why are you reading that? And here's why. Because when I tell you guys something, mm-hmm. I'm not telling you what I heard. When I hear it, I go read it mm-hmm. and I read it. And so, um, you know, so just like today, you know, there are gay people that just hook up and then there are gay people who fall in love and get married. Now, they may not have used the language married, but they were committed monogamous partners in right. Rome and Greece. Right. And we know this because Juvenal writes about it. Mm-hmm. So it was consensual. It wasn't all just slave sex or young mm-hmm. boys. Um, because in the letter, I think it's satire number nine. These are two older men, and he makes fun of them mm. for being older. Um, and so uh, it's, and again, read at your own risk. <laughs> it is, you, you guys have no idea how Christianity has shaped the world. Wow. Like yeah. it is, yeah. to say it is vulgar is not the right word. Yeah. Uh, it, it was rough. It was and rough. so, um, so, so yes, the word was changed to homosexual. And there was an understanding amongst British, um, people for a period of time that what it meant to be gay was to have sex with younger boys. And that's where we get the, the word F-A-G-G. Is it E-T or A-T? I think O-T. it's O-T, yeah. So, um, and I'm not going to say that word, but, but the, well, I'll say it. The word faggot, it means bundle of sticks. And so what happened hmm. in England was gay men 
would pay young boys to collect faggots, which are little sticks for the fire. Okay. And then rich men would pay for or coerce for favors. Mm. And so a young boy who collected these sticks and then did something for, you know, perverted old men. And that and that's where the term comes. And and really that really comes about because when you live in a Christian culture where homosexuality is not okay, mm-hmm. it becomes underground. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, you know, I mean, these gay men are having sex in, in whatever way that they could. And that's where the term comes from. Um, but every time that I've looked at the word in the Greek language and in Hebrew, it is never in reference to a child ever once. And, and I've, I've looked at this repeated times. It's always man on man. Mm-hmm. It's never man boy or man slave. Mm-hmm. Um, it's man on man. This is what's condemned. And, and part of that may have been if you're a gay slave sitting in the church, you don't have authority over your body in your yeah. home. So if the master says, that's what we're doing. Yep. That's what we're doing. I mean, hmm. why would the apostle Paul condemn them? Mm-hmm. They don't have rights mm-hmm. over their bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the disgusting part of slavery. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of many, but, um, um, and so, but Paul gets at it a different way. These are no longer your slaves. These are your brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then how do we treat our brothers? Right. So Paul is very, very good at how he challenges a social structure mm-hmm. and really lays the seeds for um, what William Wilberforce in, in the 19th century, you know, so many people, you know, hate Western, um, Western culture because we had slaves. We're the first culture to condemn slavery. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you know this, but Saudi Arabia didn't condemn slavery till 1971, the year I was born. And for all intents and purposes, they still have it. Yeah, absolutely. They're just called Filipinos. Right. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. It's terrible what happens there. And, and by the way, if you're a, a uh, bond servant in um, Saudi Arabia, you can't retire there. When you stop working, you have to leave. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. It is super, super crazy. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of bizarre stuff that still takes place in the Muslim world because they don't have our scriptures. That's right. Yeah. So. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, We have Olivia from Nashville, Tennessee. I just lost my my pet goat of 13 years, and it's bringing up this recurring question I wonder about. Will we see our pets in heaven? There are so many verses that reference how important animals are to God, and if there were animals in Eden— why wouldn't they be in heaven too? Yeah. So Olivia, this is a great question. And it I'm going hi- to hijack it. So no, there will be no animals in heaven. And, and why is that? Animals are not made for heaven and neither are you. This is one of the greatest problems in Christianity today. People think Jesus came to die on earth so they could go to heaven. That is not why Jesus came. Jesus came to earth to bring heaven to earth, to bring heaven and earth together again. And most Christians are so off on this theology. You were not made for heaven. I am not made for heaven. What we await, Paul says, and a lot of people misunderstand this in 1 Corinthians 5, we await not for our heavenly bodies. Let me me help you. For our bodies made in heaven. Hmm. So the body that you're wearing Mm -hmm. was made on earth. We're going to have a new body that's made from heaven, a spiritual body body that will allow us to commune with God on earth. Hmm. But we are not made to be spiritless, you know, like, well, where's their soul, their souls in heaven. And, and there's a lot of disagreement on, you know, exactly what happens when we die in Christians. That's a whole podcast in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But what I would say is I'm not even, there's not a verse that says when you die, you go to heaven. What Jesus promises the thief on the cross is he says, you will be with me in paradise. So Mm -hmm. he doesn't use the word heaven. He uses the word garden. 
then the apostle Paul says, listen, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So where are our loved ones who are Christians when they die? With Jesus. They're with Jesus. They're with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that, that's all we know. Um, you know, heaven is where God is. It's where, um, it's where angels live. We were made to live on earth. So will your goat be in heaven? No, my dog won't be in heaven. Now, may God bring those things back on the new earth? Possibly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's many things. And so Isaiah prophesies about our relationship to animals under the coming king when Christ mm-hmm. returns. Um, also, he talks about children. Mm-hmm. So where did those children come from? Yeah. So what I think is many people who've lost their children get to raise them in yeah. the kingdom. Um, I don't know that. But again, how does God wipe every tear away? Hmm. Well, behold, yeah. I make all things new. Yeah, amen. And so I think that um, our loved ones that are lost, will we'll, we'll get to see that again. And we'll get to, because... You know, like if, I don't know, did you guys lose a kid? We, we lost a kid between. I did. Uh, yeah, we lost a kid between my Kennedy first, and Ethan. I so lost that, between my first and my oh, second. Yeah. yeah, so that was, that was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often wonder, you know, her name was Trinity Monroe. Mm-hmm. And um, I often wonder, you know, will we get to meet her and raise her? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just, oh, I get to meet her as an adult. Because there's right. still, I'm missing something. Sure. But would I get to watch her grow? Mm. Behold, I make all things new. And so, but but I don't know. I don't have those questions. So, Olivia, you don't want to go to heaven. You want Jesus to return to earth. So the, the Bible ends not with us, let us come to, to heaven. It says the, the spirit and the church say, come, come Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. come. come. So what we want is we want him to return. The world needs the presence of God, needs the glory of God and um, Jesus will return and this new earth is going to be bigger because you can't fit the dimensions of the new Jerusalem on earth. It's just so massive, so incredible, so amazing. And um, we need to look forward to that. So I'm sorry for your loss. Um, yeah. I know that we can all become very bonded to animals and mm-hmm. animals, I, you know, my dog teaches me so much about worship because, you know, she just loves being in my presence. She just, she loves so many of the things that I should just love about mm-hmm. God. And she's just such a better servant to me than I am to the Lord. Mm. And um, I'm thankful for that. And uh, I appreciate that. And so animals play a special place. I think they calm us. Mm-hmm. They bless us. And um, well, there certainly will be animals says. in the new heaven. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you'll get that back. But what, what I know is this, is there will be no tears. They will be wiped away. Yeah, that's good. And so God will take away that, that pain, whatever that is. But uh, we do share an interesting connection to animals because again, as, as, as Christians, we need to understand we're not just made in the image of God, but we share an image with animals. We're, we're, we're both. We're from the dust Adam was created and that's where animals come from. And so we're also created in God's image. We, we reflect both. Yeah. And so we share a very, very special um, relationship to them. So, Olivia, I'm sorry for that. And, yeah, 13 um, years. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome, but it's mm-hmm. tough. It's tough. All right. Uh, yeah, I was saying, I don't know about my Shih Tzu. I don't think she's, 
I thought you just cussed. I did. <laughs> I just totally thought you said S-H-A-T. Yeah. Well, I did, except. She I said put, Shih Tzu. I said Shih Tzu. Zoo. I have a Shih Tzu. She's not yeah. teaching me. Well, we'll figure her out soon. Yeah, that's they're, a high maintenance dog. Though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They're so stubborn. Yeah. I wish she was teaching me something about the Lord. Maybe the patience of the Lord. Yeah, that yeah. is what she's teaching me. All right. Yeah. All right. S from Marino Valley, California. How can a person who has been sexually involved with different guys understand their value and worth? The shame and guilt from my past has discouraged me. I feel that if I ever find the right guy, I won't have anything special to offer since I feel the best part of me has already been seen by many different guys. Mm-hmm. I feel ashamed and embarrassed. I've changed my ways, but I feel unworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, and I just, I just want to say to this person, I love you and I'm thankful for you. And um, the best part of you has not been given away because the best part of us is when we give our whole selves to somebody in marriage mm-hmm. um, for life. That's yeah, the, that's, that's the good. best of us. Um, I failed sexually um, before I met Tammy and that's been something that still, I would say I walk with a limp mm-hmm. in my relationship to Tammy and... Um, you know, she's only been with me by the grace of God, but that's something that we've had to work through. And it's something that I'm grateful for and I cherish. But I, I, um, what I, what I would say is in this life, God forgives us of our sins, but there are still scars from them. And so what I would say is you're always going to have some scars, but I would, I I would just trust that if, if, if marriage is on your heart, what you're doing right now is you're walking in devotion to whoever this man is right now. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes we think of faithfulness, and I wish someone had explained this to me when I before I met Tammy. Um, if you're a single person, you're either dating your future spouse or somebody else's, so mm-hmm. treat them accordingly. That's and I, that's, that's how I always try to phrase that. And, um, you know, I don't know if the Lord is going to provide somebody for you, but I would say this is something you can pray for and ask for. And what I would say is this, if you've gone to the Lord, first um, John 1, 9, for if we confess our sins to the Lord, he's faithful and just, listen to these words, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Yeah. We can't change the past, but we can change the present and the future. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to ask God to do is forgive you from your past and help change you and write a new story. Um, this is why I talk to my kids about sex repeatedly. And I said, look, I want different for you mm-hmm. than what I had for myself. Now, ultimately, it's up to you, but I but I let them know. And, um, you know, sometimes my kids were like, well, you and mom have a great relationship. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. Sin is never a good idea. And mm. that's what she's experiencing. It's it's this it's this it's this feeling. So what you just got to do is say, Lord, can you can you convince me that I'm forgiven? And so I would go to first John one nine. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, a counselor or a Christian at church. And so that's James 5, 16. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be whole and healed. Because sometimes we need to hear from another believer. You know, God's forgiven you. Mm-hmm. As far as the East is from the West. Uh, if you're going to date somebody, I think that needs to be an honest conversation. Yep. And and so what you need to be praying for, especially for women, it becomes more challenging to bond with a man after multiple partners. Unfortunately for men, we do not have the same struggle uh, because sex means different things. To us as genders, it means different things for women. Women bond in a different way than a man does. And um, so you're going to have to really work to to bond with this husband and to assure him that you are satisfied and pleased in him. That's mm-hmm. where the insecurity of a man is. Okay, well, you you can compare me. Right. And, um, you know, that's the beauty if you just are both virgins. You don't know what you're doing. And, and you know, as yeah. far as you know, it's great. Right. And so um, 
But what I would just say is you can be forgiven and God can move that forward and the shame and the guilt, that's the devil. Yeah, that's absolutely. Not God. And so I'll be praying for you. And um, I don't think you need to be um, ashamed, embarrassed because you've changed your, why, your, your ways. And here's the thing, we're all unworthy. We're all <laughs> unworthy of God's, I'm unworthy of Tammy. I'm unworthy of this church. I'm unworthy of the children I have. I'm unworthy of being able to work with you mm -hmm. and this team. But God in his infinite wisdom and grace has allowed me to do this. And so I just want, I just want to, to pray over you and, and for all of us who, you know, have struggled with this and continue to struggle. We need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just pray right yeah, now if we absolutely. can. Father, I just pray for this wonderful, beautiful woman. And I pray, Lord, that you would take away, Lord, this shame and this guilt uh, this feeling of embarrassment. And I pray that she would live out the vision of being real with safe people, with real people who can handle this and can come alongside her and help her walk in forgiveness and grace. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless how she's changed her ways. I pray she doesn't fall back into this mm -hmm. sin, but is faithful to wait um, for marriage to, in order to engage in sex. And Lord, I pray for blessings upon her sex yes, life Lord. and marriage and healing. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so great, good. great question. Thank you for sharing. A great question. Um, okay, this is Sonia from Anaheim, California. Is cremation a sin? Growing up as a Southern Baptist, I was always told it was a sin. Although I'm not sure of my plans when I die, I don't want to put my family through unnecessary turmoil. What's your take on it? Yeah, um, so my my answer, Sonia, would be I don't know. I, I think that, you know, um, really the only teaching that we have on this would be Jewish tradition. And what Jewish tradition would be would be to bury the person and then collect the bones and then put the bones in the box. And then eventually the box turns to ash and then to store it that way. So that's how Jews did it. But mm. we don't have any teaching on this. Cremation is not an option in the New Testament. We, we just don't know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, do I think a family should go into debt to bury a loved one? Absolutely not. It's an extraordinarily expensive process. I have some tendencies. Um, I've always wanted to open. Uh, this is weird. I've always had this fantasy about opening up my own, um, what, not funeral home. What do you call it where you're buried? Cemetery. Cemetery and mortuary. And I had this idea that it would be a um, olive tree orchard. And so everyone would have a family tree. And so like me and Tammy and all of us would be um, buried organically. Mm -hmm. So we would be laid in dirt. And so they allow the, the funguses and the bacteria to sure. eat you and decompose you. And then you plant you in your family tree. And so your whole family is around this olive tree. And why olive trees? Because they can live hmm. thousands of years. Wow. And it's good for the environment. Mm -hmm. uh, it's drought tolerant, you know, for Southern California. Lawns are beautiful. We don't need to be wasting the water on dead right. people. Right. So I, I've always wanted to do that. So it's a little more organic way than throwing me in a fire and grinding my bones because mm -hmm. that's that process. I have many loved ones who've done that. I, I think that's what my parents want to do. And I'm going to honor sure. whatever they want to do. We've talked about being buried together in a family crypt mm -hmm. that's very expensive mm -hmm. um so 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 i don't know i i think that this comes down to preference and we need to not call it sin because terrible things have happened to bodies of christians they've yeah. been fed to lions right. they've been burned at the stake and those people are going to be resurrected yeah and that's so, a good point you know, nero lit a lot of christians on fire and so um you know i think ultimately my concern for my death and my body is my family, their grief, and mm -hmm. I want to minimize that. So, so whatever they want to do. But my fantasy was my own funeral home, my own mortuary, and I think it would be a beautiful place to 
have family trees that last hundreds so of years. Literal and to trees. know that yeah. That's cool. To know that this tree is growing off. Um, and then I was thinking you could pick the olives, but that's kind of gross. You know, they're eating olives <laughs> of dead people. Um, dad olives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dad <laughs> olives is a dead olives. Um, but that was my idea. And so it would be, you know, land and the mortuary. Because in order to do that process, I think it's seven days to decompose a body. And you have to do it in like a greenhouse with wow. certain um, bacterias and it has to be a certain temperature. Yeah. So, um, and then I think legally you have to heat the body to like 145 degrees oh or gosh. something like that. Yeah. Cause you can't, cause diseases, sure. you know, I mean, dead people are, they can make us sick. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, that was my idea. I know you're making a face. No, I'm, I'm just thinking yeah. about zombies and, you know, but yeah. I, that's what I've always heard was the argument about, and I didn't grow up Southern Baptist, but yeah. that was the argument that they couldn't be re resurrected yeah. if they're cremated. But I'm thinking, but at some point that body is ash anyway yeah. in the box. So the Lord, if he has the power to resurrect, he has the power to resurrect ashes, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. I don't know. I think it's preference too, but I think you make a great point about Christians that were killed all sorts of ways yeah. and, and we know we're going to see them. Christians that have drowned in shipwrecks, been yeah. eaten by sharks. Yeah. I mean, God can do whatever he wanted. Right. If you don't believe me, read the story of Jonah. Right. Um, I firmly believe that Jonah was dead in the belly of the whale. So um, when I was took Hebrew, I think it was my third year Hebrew, I had to interpret Jonah. And hmm. the reason for that is it's very easy. It's a very simple Hebrew. Hmm. And so that's why they were, they were gracious to us. But when I translated <laughs> it, um, I translated that he was dead. Wow. And the professor argued with me but he argued theologically i said but grammatically hmm. he's and so he gave me a name so grammatically it says that he he, he went to shoal and the only people in shoal right, are dead, dead people, people. Mm -hmm. and so uh because that's where christians like well how did he keep him alive in the building well i'm like <laughs> it, the text says he was dead for three days and wow. that's why jesus says like jonah right that's the only sign you're gonna get for that's three right. days he and he was spit out and the lord resurrected jonah mm. and so wow i don't know what that body looked like but uh, I think that a lot of people miss that, that Joseph, Jonah was probably resurrected from the belly of the whale or the great fish or whatever it is. Now, theologians are going to flip out because that's not what we're taught in Sunday school. I'm just telling you, <laughs> when I translated it from Hebrew, I, I said he was dead. And my professor disagreed, but I said, look at look at the word of God. And yeah. Went, okay, you got an A. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. All right, great. Jasmine from Colton, California says, how can I navigate the holidays being a recent widow? Mm. <laughs> My husband passed away in April and we were always the glue to hold it together for his family and mine. I feel like I need to continue to be the glue and have a solid foundation for our two sons. They are 20 and 18. I just feel so lost un and under pressure at the same time. I feel like I don't want to do anything for the holidays and go away from everyone with my sons. I want to be able to support my mom during this as she grieves as well and not feel guilty of leaving my side of the family during the holidays. My husband was saved and attended sandals regularly. My husband loved Pastor Matt. He wasn't a believer before he found out he had cancer. Once he found out he had cancer, mm. he gave his life to Jesus. Amen. Wow. I'm so Praise grateful God. for that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jasmine, I, I think that um, when we lose a loved one, the holidays are never the same. Mm -mm. And that's, yeah. that's part of the grieving process. And so every first is awful. But, you know, I've got a good friend of mine. Her husband's been dead now three years. And she's still not right. Mm -hmm. You know, we had her over for dinner. And and I would just say to the church, the Bible says perfect religion is those who care for orphans and widows. Mm -hmm. And we need to specifically make sure yeah. that we care for those who lose loved ones. And this is what I've learned. I think people are great at caring for, I don't know, 30 days. Sure. 
60 days, but grief doesn't stop Mm -mm. and grief can be triggered by many things. And so my friend was killed, um, on Victoria Avenue in Riverside. Mm -hmm. And every time I drive by, every time I know right where his body was, I know. Yeah. It's just, it's just so hard for me. Um, I haven't, I used to run a lot. Mm -hmm. I haven't ran there since. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just such a painful place for me that's triggered when I see that spot. And so I'll do, I'll do good until I I drive by it. And it just feels so weird. Um, so what we need to do is I think we just need to be honest. And what I would just say is you got to make sure that you tell your family, Hey, I'm not up for this, this year. Let's Mm -hmm. take this year off. I feel like I need to be with my boys. Now you need to talk to your boys Mm -hmm. because your boys may want things to be normal. Mm -hmm. So you don't want them to grieve the loss of their dad and right. The loss of tradition, the loss of tradition. And so, um, and then I would talk to them about well, what are some roles that their dad played that they can play? Mm-hmm. How can they step into his shoes? And I'll be praying for you because it is so hard for young men to lose their father. Mm-hmm. Uh, women are so much better at losing dads. And I'm not saying it doesn't affect them, but boys, when they lose their dad, oftentimes they just kind of lose them, their, themselves. So I'm going to be praying specifically for your sons because 20 and 18 is so That's young, young. Mm-hmm. and cancer is so awful. Um, you know, I think there needs to be some conversations about health, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't want to see them walk in that, you know, your DNA is not your destiny, but if you do everything your parents did, it is. Mm-hmm. So you gotta, you gotta look at your health. You gotta be honest. Um, I was talking to, uh, a guy in our church and he was counseling his daughter and he just said, look, your mom and I aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. I need you to work at this. Like you, you don't, you're not born with, you know, healthy DNA. Yeah. Like you got to eat right and Mm -hmm. exercise. And I want you to do this for my grandchildren. Mm. And uh, so I think that's important. And, you know, um, so I don't know, but you know, um, two things for everybody to understand the the number one precursor to to surviving cancer of any age is lean muscle mass. Did you guys know that? Lean muscle mass. So if you have lean muscle mass, you are far more likely to survive whatever the cancer is hmm. um, than, than those are not. It's, not. it's not a perfect scenario, but basically, if you're healthy, yeah. you have a better chance. Right. And so, um, you know, cancer stuff. We got a guy on our worship team right now who's battling cancer. He's 24 years old, just hmm. sweet young man. And, um, you know, he's got stage four cancer. Wow. And it's just so, so hard, especially when young people get it. And yeah. I'm not saying it's not terrible when the elderly get it but there's a different grief for a 25 year old Mm -hmm. versus a 90 year old there just is right and um you know my grandmother's 97 and and if and if i found out today she died i'd be really happy Mm. because she's her her body's ready yeah and and i love her and she's had a great life and and i love her and i would actually celebrate that Mm -hmm. for her right um so that's different yeah. than being nine or seven. Right, right. So, um, yeah, the hardest funeral I ever had to do was this beautiful young black girl in our church. She was four. Yeah. Tiffany was her name. And she fell out of the car. Oh, my God. I'll never forget that funeral. And, um, yeah, she, yeah. Fell out of, she fell out of the car. And I don't understand all the details. But to this day, I just remember seeing her little beautiful body in that mm, casket. Yeah. And it was tough. Four years old. And. And she's the same age, you guys, as Madison, my daughter. Wow. So they were in class together in flip-flops. That's what we used to call Sandals kids, flip-flops. They were in oh, they were in the same class together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Madison's 27 now. Wow. So that was 23 years ago. I still remember it. So um, I'll be praying for you, um, Jasmine. I'm so sorry for your loss. 
And I would challenge you to do a couple things. Don't go boy crazy. I see a lot of women do that. I'm not saying you're doing that, but I've seen it. And you think dating would be easier when you're 40 and you're 50. And I see people just be as dumb. <laughs> I just got to be honest. <laughs> and of course, if you're 50 and dating, I'm not talking about you. It's your friend. <laughs> um, but I just see people go crazy for that because it's mm. some people, it's really hard to be alone. Oh, absolutely. And, and so they lower the bar. And the last thing your boys need right now is some new dude. Yeah. So they need you. So I would just say, hey, let's sit down and have, have a, a conversation. And I'm glad that your husband loved me. I'm honored. I'm honored to be a small part of seeing him come to be with Jesus and, and to know that he's in the presence of Jesus. And yeah. I'll be praying for you specifically. And I remember a couple of years ago, um, you know, Stephanie that used to co-host The Debrief mm -hmm. with me, she lost her mom on Christmas Eve. And I remember uh, to COVID. Mm. And it was Christmas Eve and my wife actually sent me to get food. Yeah. And I called her on Christmas Eve and mm -hmm. she's like, why are you calling me on Christmas Eve? I'm like, because it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. And your mom died. You're right. And she's so sweet. I remember she said, I'm not taking calls. I said, but you took my call. And she said, yeah, <laughs> I needed to. Mm -hmm. And I love Stephanie and I loved her mom. Mom was just such a, such a sweet, sweet person. So Stephanie, yeah. if you're crying right now, listen I to this. Know. I'm so sorry. I'd but, but I love you. And, and for everyone who's experienced loss, you know, the holidays are hard. They are. When we lose, you know, the people that we love. And mm -hmm. so again, for those of you who have relatives this holiday let's start with thanksgiving let's be thankful yeah because we're not guaranteed tomorrow absolutely the not. bible says from dust we were made and dust we return like life the bible says like a vapor yeah it's there for a second and then it's gone and so yeah enjoy uh, your relatives yeah, enjoy enjoy your relatives that enjoy your 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 husbands your wives um and jasmine will be praying for you absolutely. but i just really encourage you involve other people because everyone's grieving yeah. So involve them in a conversation and ultimately you got to do what you got to do, but at least have the conversation and don't make decisions for your boys without including them. That's so, good. Yeah. Awesome. Praying for you. All right. Awesome. This one is great. This is Phil from Auburn, Alabama. Auburn, Alabama. Hello, Phil. With all the focus in Israel and et cetera, I'd love to hear Pastor Matt give his view on dispensational versus covenant theology. Yeah, and so the reason he's asking this is because these two different theologies and are really going to determine whether you support the nation of Israel mm. uh, in terms of their biblical right sure. to be there or not. And so um, dispensational, so if you're in Southern California, most Calvary chapels are dispensational. Um, not all. I mean, I'm speaking very loosely here, so some would you know, probably have a Calvary chapel. If we had a Calvary cha chapel pastor listening, that'd be great. But... Um, would say maybe no they don't agree to that mm -hmm. but basically they divide the bible into seven dispensations seven periods of time where god acts differently mm -hmm. for a specific purpose and so dispensationalists believe that right now god is acting through the church but there are still prophecies left to be fulfilled for the nation of israel and oftentimes for dispensationalists that includes the rebuilding of the temple mm -hmm. um, and that's their opinion covenantal theologians would disagree wholeheartedly with that. And so what they believe is that God has operated through covenants. So the first covenant was with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Anything you may eat of, but not this one tree. Mm -hmm. So that was the first covenant. Then the next covenant we see is the Noahic covenant, which is basically, you know, it's the easiest covenant. Don't right. kill people. Like it's, it's a <laughs> right. real easy one. Then we have the law, uh, or excuse me, then we have Abraham, Abraham's. then we have law, uh, then ultimately we have the covenant of Christ, right? And so what they believe in, and a covenant theologian is not going to like this, 
but they are called replacement theologians. Yeah. So they don't like this. They, they right. feel like that's a pejorative. And if you don't know what pejorative means, like cuss word. Yeah. So they, they believe that's a slur. So, but what they teach is that God operates through covenants. And so the covenants of Israel were, were fulfilled in Jesus. And so after that, the people of God are all those who are in Jesus, in which excludes, and that's why they're called replacement theologians, excludes Israel. Mm-hmm. And so they would say that the true Israel is followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So where are we as a church? I don't know. Some, <laughs> somewhere in, in between, between, you know, um, you know, I certainly think that, you know, God is not done with Israel. I think the Apostle Paul is clear in that. And so a lot of people, when they read Romans get all into Calvinism versus Arminianism, but they really miss the point. So there was this emperor named Nero, mm-hmm. um, and he kicked out, you know, and murdered and slaughtered, you know, all the uh, Jews and Christians. And it was a very, very hard time for the church. And so the church became almost 100% Gentile. And then Claudius becomes emperor. I believe it's Emperor Claudius, and he allows Jews to come back. Mm-hmm. And so now we have Jewish Christians coming to a Gentile church. And it creates problems, just like when you have black and white, Hispanic and white. I mean, it it creates problems. And so what Paul is saying is, look, Gentiles, you've been grafted in and God's not done with his people Mm -hmm. because he will continue to honor his promises to the people. And so I would say where I agree with covenantal theologians is, yes, I believe all of the promises are fulfilled in Christ, Mm -hmm. all of them. Um, It's where it's why I disagree with Calvinists who believe in the elect. I believe that Jesus is the elect Mm -hmm. and all those who place their faith and trust in him are a part of the elect. Mm -hmm. And we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his will. And I think we, we misread that oftentimes. That's my personal opinion. I have friends who are Calvinists um, and I have friends who are Arminianists. I'm not either, you know, I'm, I'm not either of Mm -hmm. those things. Um, And so oftentimes we get in these arguments, but so really it is, is does, does Israel have a biblical right to be there? Or, you know, is God done with that? And so, um, you know, and so dispensationalists would be called Zionists, which yeah. is, you know, also pejorative. And so, um, you know, what I would say is we got to be very, very careful trying to read ancient scriptures into a current context. And so um, the Israel thing is a mess. Yeah, um, I've had people leave our church because they've said I'm not pro-Palestinian enough, mm-hmm. which just, you know, just breaks my heart. Uh, what happened on October 7th was evil yeah, and grotesque. And I, I've literally had people send me an email. None of the things that, that Israel says happened, happened. I don't know why Israel's not releasing the videos and the photos. And I understand. I mean, I don't know that I would want my children paraded, yeah. being beheaded and murdered. Um, but we have seen some footage come out of um, Gaza where they're parading that they people did through the streets, yeah, yeah. And, and we know these women have been raped. We know these people have been wounded, and people in Gaza are cheering. Yeah, and that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel has a lot of problems. Uh, is racism in, in Israel? Yes, they don't have that culture. Mm-hmm. Right, they do not have that culture. Um, you know, Israel is. I think that the, the president of the the Bank of Israel is Palestinian. Uh, Palestinian judges send Israelis to jail. People need to know that. Um, uh, Congressmen in Israel are Palestinians. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that they're free of controversy, but it is the freest, most democratic country in the Middle East, Mm -hmm. and it's not close. And for all my friends who care about Palestinians, it's it's just all a bunch of horse crap. You know, you have Erdogan in Turkey who cares about the Palestinians. Well, he doesn't care about Kurds. Yeah. 
and they're Muslim. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about millions and millions of Kurds who, by the way, you want to talk occupi- occupiers? Right. Kurds are from Kurdistan. Turks are occupiers from way up near China. That's where they came from. They're not from that, that land. Red, yeah. and, and that's the thing that drives me crazy. We're all occupying something. <laughs> like, like it, it, it's just such a joke right now. And I think it's uh, Bahrain or I can't, I can't remember. One, one of the countries right near India, two million mm. Muslims have been slaughtered and driven out of their homeland. Two wow. million. Wow. Uh, there's 250,000 Muslims that have been killed in Syria. Mm-hmm. Jordan occupies 75% of Palestine. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, all of these boundaries are made up. Right, by Western exactly. occupiers. Right. They're all arbitrarily assigned and made up. And so it's just an absolute joke. Yeah. So it, it drives me crazy. And so what I would say, it's a messy situation. If you're a pro-Palestinian, here's where I want to challenge you. Jews have always lived in, in Jerusalem. They've mm-hmm. always been there. Now, during the Zionist movement of the 19th century, more moved. But here's what you've not been taught in school. They bought their land. Mm-hmm. They bought desert in Tel Aviv, and they bought a swamp in Galilee. Mm -hmm. And these Jews died by the hundreds of thousands from mosquitoes. Mm. And they irrigated Galilee, and they turned the swamps into a beautiful land, and they paid ridiculous amounts of price of money to whom? Palestinian Arabs. Right. That's who they bought the land from. Now, when it started to work, more and more Jews immigrated as racism in Europe got more and more fierce. Mm-hmm. And Israel and um, uh, Britain tried to control that. Mm-hmm. But the cat was out of the bag. It was a safe land. And oh, by the way, it is the land that Jews are from. That's right. Palestinians have immigrated from other lands. They're part Turkish, they're part Arab, they're part Egyptian. And just so you know, that land is a highway system. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, who owns the bus stop? Right. It's been owned and occupied. And so here's the thing. The Palestinians have never controlled Palestine, ever. First, the Romans controlled it, who named it Palestine. Then a group, uh, then then the Christians controlled it. The Byzantines controlled it for a period of time. But then ultimately became the, the Mamluks. They controlled it for about a thousand years. And then the Ottoman Empire. And then the Ottoman Empire fell, and then Britain controlled it. Mm. And Britain tried to divide it. And here's the thing. Palestine has had a two-state solution, every single on the table. Every single political leader of Palestine has rejected it. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Israel has offered it a two-state solution time and time again, and their leadership has, has, has violated this. You, if you're going to be frustrated with Israel, you should be frustrated with the PLO leadership. Mm-hmm. So then let me tell this story. Then in 2005, Israel pulled out of Gaza. And, and so you want to talk about free Palestine? Gaza is free. Mm-hmm. They pulled out. You guys run it. You do it yourself. Uh, the PLO ran two candidates who ran against each other, and Hamas ran one candidate. Hamas, I think, got like 38% of the vote and won. Hamas systematically murdered all of the PLO candidates. Right. And so for everybody listening, this is not a story. You'll never hear this in the news. Sandals had a missionary in Gaza. Hmm. And he ran a business. And I'm not going to say what business it was because right. I don't want him to be harmed. But he was undercover in Gaza and tried to hang in there. And in 2007, he had to lead and leave. And why was that? Because he was discipling Gazans who'd converted to Christ. Hamas found out about it, and Hamas took one of those young men, hung him in the streets in broad daylight in front of this business, hung him, and then took his dead body down, put it behind a truck, dragged him through the streets until his arms fell off and his head decapitated in broad daylight. Wow. This is a fellow Gazan. Remember Palestinians? Right. And didn't bury his body, didn't give him Muslim rights, and our missionary had to leave because it was not safe for him to mm-hmm. be there. There is a the significant portion of Gazans who are barbaric, they're not interested in norms, and it is a deep problem. Yeah. 
it's a deep problem. And and my concern here is what Israel's trying to do right now is get them to immigrate to the United States. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Egypt doesn't want them. Jordan doesn't want them. No right. Muslim country wants them because there's a significant portion of that population that is a fundamentalist, crazy uh, terrorist. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. Right. Not every single one. The problem is, how do you know who? Right. And, um, and so... Israel has a real problem, and we need to support them and pray for them. And everybody calling for a ceasefire, why? So they can rebuild and do this again. Right. They I mean, they've said, already said they'll they do it. They have said over time and, and time again. again they want to kill all the Jews. They want to destroy all the Jews. And all of these people who think that these are peace loving people are living with their head in the dirt. I actually heard Hillary Clinton, of all people, say um, that that they have violated ceasefire so many times and that they kill their own people. I mean, this is Hillary, right? I mean, she could acknowledge at least that, that so many of them were, you know, they, they don't want this. They want Israel gone. They could care less, couldn't care less about anything else. And their leaders live outside of Gaza Yeah, and they take all of the millions. I mean, all of the millions of dollars that their America, I think America has given like $10 billion and they, they live on private jets and they live in other countries and their people live in squalor and they build tunnels and they raise up terrorists and Mm -hmm. they educate them. Gaza has one of the most educated populations in the Middle East, but they're educated to hate. Yeah. They're indoctrinated to To hate hate. Mm -hmm. and um, say what you will about Israel. That's not how they're taught. They are not taught to hate. And, um, you know, Palestinian um, soldiers that are injured when they're taken into Israel, they're cared for and treated. Right. And according to the Geneva Accords. Now, mm-hmm. no military is perfect. Israel makes mistakes. Sure. Things, things happen. War it's crimes war. happen. <laughs> um, but that does not happen if you're an Israeli citizen. If you're a female Israeli soldier, you will be raped and paraded in the streets right. in Gaza. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And and there's all these people who stand with it and think it's just, it's so grotesque. And It's been so I keep looking at the news going, what in the world? Like, I don't understand. Um, I mean, I, I understand that they feel like they're occupiers and that, but I'm like, are they not to defend themselves? Yeah. I mean, we've seen enough footage. We haven't seen all the footage. Nobody well, wants to see there's blowhead, a, there, you know, there, yeah, and you babies with their head blown off. Is, so there's a, there's a disease in America called progressivism. Yeah. And so progressivism teaches that minorities cannot be racist. Right. So, so that's what I have ta- argued this with other yeah, black people. That's what that's what they're <laughs> right. taught. So, so what is what that means is you as a black woman can hate me, right? Loathe and me, it's not and be disgusted by me, and it's not racism because you're not in power. And so, I don't know if you saw this week what happened in in Vegas and then in Oakland. Did you see it? No. Where you had you had groups of young black men beating uh, the young man in Vegas died. Now again, no no angel here. I'm not saying sure. this kid was an angel, but he was killed at a, at a high school, and he was beaten by. Would you guys say fifteen kids? It was what a lot. In the I, world? I, oh yeah, and they were they were African American kids, and it was over a vape pen, I think. Oh my god! Um, and then there was a white man in Oakland. They were doing donuts in the street, mm-hmm. and he came out, and he had like a paint bucket, mm-hmm. and he threw water on the car. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's dead, but I can tell you, I saw the video, and he was unconscious after oh, the god. first punch, and he was repeatedly punched in the head by the driver of the car who happened to be black. Can you, I just want you to imagine if that was reversed. Oh, absolutely. It would be, we would, San Bernardino would be burnt out. Yeah, it would be front page <laughs> media. And, right. so, and so this is why progressivism is a disease. Right. Because racism occurs in all cultures That's and all right. peoples everywhere. And From it should all be, time. it should be a, identifies a sin and it should be criminally prosecuted every single time when someone does something because of the color of your skin. It's gross. And so the problem is in the West, we see Palestinians as the minority. Sure. So they can do no wrong. Right. Like I've heard people say, what are they supposed to do? Not behead children. Correct. 
or and, 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 and people can't say <laughs> or parachute that. Parachute into my country and yeah. start murdering everybody. Yeah, and so right. Rashid Talib, when she's asked to condemn that, she wants to condemn both sides. That's it's right. like, look, right. Like if I yeah, it, it's if I come into your house and murdered your children because they were black. And by the way, that's why these Jewish people were killed. Right. Because they're Jews. Right. And it's 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 a real thing. Um, just like Black people experience racism. Listen to me. Jews experience Absolutely. racism. It is a real thing, and it's disgusting, and it's part of the brokenness of humanity. And so instead of, I think, adopting a theological position, what we need to do is call strikes, strikes, and balls, balls. Yeah. And so sometimes conservatives, man, it's just, they're wrong. I'm like, right. I call strike. That's wrong, and that's terrible, um, and we need to own that. And so um, I think that Republicans need to speak out against sending immigrants in mass from Gaza to America. That is right. a problem. Yeah. That's not going to make Jewish people in America safe. No. It, it creates a problem and we don't know who's who. And so, um, and that's why, that's why Israel's trying to get rid of them. That's why Egypt won't take them. It's why Jordan doesn't right. want them. Everybody's border is closed. Yeah. Yes, because it's a problem. And if Erdogan loves them so much, send them to Turkey. Yeah. He doesn't want them either <laughs> because it's a problem. It's and, an ideological and, issue. And, and, and so that's the problem. You know, oftentimes we talk black, white, we talk rich, poor, we talk, talk we need to talk culture. Mm -hmm. And in um, ghettos, which by the way, did you know, is a word created by it's Hitler for, Jews. for Jews. Yeah. So if you're black and you're like, I'm ghetto, you need to know that right. derogatory term mm -hmm. was chosen for Jews and Correct. they put them into ghettos. Right. And it's, it's just, oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, we need to call strikes, strikes and balls, balls. And sometimes, you know, Republicans get it wrong. Progressives are never right. Yeah. They're yeah. never right. And, and, and so, so why are we experiencing this in California? Because, you know, these young men that did these things, here's what we're being taught in schools where their brains aren't fully developed yet. That's right. So they cannot be held responsible for the crimes that they commit. Okay, but if they're 13 and they want to become a different sex. Yeah, they know exactly. They know exactly what right. it is and they get to make a lifelong decision. Right. They speak out of both sides of their mouths and it is, oh, I was gonna say, it speak is out consistently of... <laughs> inconsistent. Thank you for speak not saying that. Speak out of both yeah. sides of something else. <laughs> yeah, and so again, parents, this is why, you know, I'm not going to be political, but you need to be political. Get in the Absolutely. school board. Get involved in your local community and speak out against this stuff because it's insane. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, what's happened in Gaza is they have been indoctrinated into a hate-filled hate -filled way of thinking. And I don't know what the solution is. Mm. I feel terrible for Israel. They don't want to manage it. Nobody wants to manage it. Uh, but the, Britons could, the Brits couldn't manage them. Uh, Egypt couldn't manage them. Mm -hmm. I think... Gaza was under control of Egypt until 1973. They hated it. Mm. They didn't want to control it. And so it is, it's deeply problematic. Israel said, we're going to let you control yourselves. Right. And what have they done? They built rockets. They built bombs. And tunnels. And tunnels. <laughs> and they seek to destroy Israel. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. and again, I have a friend of mine that's Palestinian. And he said, this changed it for him. Mm. He just said, he just went, this is, this is evil. He yeah. just said it's evil. It's and evil. He was very, very pro-Palestinian. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you're a black woman. You're proud to be yeah, black Yeah, we're going to be pro-black yeah, until it's sin. Yes. And, <laughs> and that's what he told me. He right. said, Matt, he said he's a Christian Palestinian. He said, I am all for the Palestinians. He said this. He said, I cannot, I cannot process this, yeah, what they so did. Awful. And, again, killing grandparents in front of their yeah. children and the things that they did. And so here's what the woman who left our church said. I've searched it on Google and I can't find it. And that's, and I don't know what, I don't know what needs to happen. You know, I, and again, I would just come out with the video, you know, cause Wonder Woman, what's her name? Uh, Gil Godot. Yeah. Um, 
you know, she's gone and, and seen the footage. And I was like, the world needs to see this. Yeah. Because unfortunately we live in a world. And so here's what, here's what, um, Hamas does this, Saudi Arabia does this, many Muslim countries do this. So when there's something that comes out on, on Twitter that they don't like, they hammer it with robots. So they have, what do they call them? The bots? Yeah. Bots. They call them bots. And so what the bots say is, this is fake, this is fake, this mm -hmm. is fake, this is fake. So then it kicks an algorithm trigger in Twitter on X and it says, this is disputed. Mm -hmm. Then they take that picture and then they redistribute that image. Sure. Even though... It's, it, may, it may very well be real. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they're doing. They're engaging in this propaganda. Oh, uh, Saudi Arabia does it with Saudi Arabian citizens who live in America when they tweet something. These bots go after it and shove it down, and they're engaged in this information game. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, really hard to know what's real yeah. and what's true. Uh, and again, I, the Israeli seen, government, I don't agree with a lot of things that they yeah. do, but... As far as I know, they're not engaging in this because they want the truth to come out. Right. I've seen so many AI photos of Gazan babies. I've seen them with the six fingers because, yeah. right, AI yeah. can't do fingers and yeah. hands yet. And I, they're like, when is this going to stop? Let's yeah. stop. And I'm like, the kid has six fingers. So, yeah. yes, there's probably a Gazan baby somewhere that looks like that, but the propaganda is out of control. Yeah, and for everybody listening, so Hamas keeps releasing the numbers of women killed, children killed. right but they never list combatants. Mm -hmm. And so the problem is, can you be a woman to be a terrorist? Can you be under 18 mm -hmm. and be a terrorist? Mm -hmm. And so they're listing these numbers. And, and again, who, who, right. like if you're a soldier and you're going and you're being shot at by everybody. And so <laughs> right. We, right. we had a young man in our church that was in Iraq when, during that whole mess. And, and his name was Pete. And he asked me one day at church, he said, am I going to go to hell? And I was like, I don't know why he killed a kid in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And so what they would do in Iraq is they would take um, special needs kids yeah, and they would put, they would strap them with dynamite and walk them into a market and say, if you press this button, when you get to this bottle, we'll give you candy and blow it up and turn everybody goo. And so he had a kid that was approaching him and he was telling the kid to stop mm -hmm. and he shot the kid mm -hmm. and killed him. And the kid wasn't wearing anything sure. and he just was eaten up. Yeah, and And that's the problem in that situation is, they use their own children. Yeah. They use their own citizens. Yeah. They use their own women. Right. And it's just, it's just, it's, there's just a level there that we just, we just don't understand. Right. And we cannot comprehend. And it makes it very, very difficult to engage. That's not saying that Israel doesn't mess up, that there isn't abuse, that there isn't racism. There is racism in Israel towards Arabs. It's real. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a legal system to try to dispute that that's better than anywhere else mm -hmm. in the Middle East. And so, um, mm. It's a tough, tough situation. So the question was, do these two theologies affect how people see the issue? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, for us, I would just say as a Christian, call a strike a strike and a ball a ball. But that's becoming increasingly difficult with the media leaning so heavily one way. So I mean, heavily. all they do every day is ask Israel about the ceasefire. The ceasefire. And it's like, <laughs> right. I, I don't know how you I don't know how you make that work. I, I Yeah. I mean, they killed over a thousand people i know kids at a concert i watched a dad <clears throat> on i mean i just cried and cried and cried he said his daughter spent the night at a friend's house doesn't happen often but in the same kibbutz, yeah. kibbutz i forget how to say yeah. it and so um he was at his house a couple streets over daughter was at and the the attack happened so he was hiding not knowing what was going on with his daughter mm. for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours come to find out She's killed. The oh. little girl is killed. 
But he cried and I said, I thank God because I can't imagine her uh, being taken hostage yeah. and being tormented night and day and day and night, not knowing what she was like seven. He was like, thank God they killed her. And I'm like weeping like, oh, my God, you know, the the alternative to her being taken hostage and, and raped and, you know, um, being in fear every single day. He was just so happy that she was dead. And I thought, how do you justify any of this? How do you how do you not say that they can't defend their own people? How do you? You not yeah. say they have to destroy completely Hamas. I, I don't understand yeah. it. And and for the young people, so you were talking about Hillary Clinton. So Bill Clinton was really, really close to a two-state solution. Mm. And here's the thing that people need to understand. Bill Clinton got Israel to give Yasser Arafat, the PLO, every single thing they asked for. Wow. And, and Yasser Arafat walked away. <laughs> and there's a reason for that, because he would have been killed. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of it is... And, and not all Palestinians, but there's an element of the Palestinian people. Um, and, and we see this in Republicans and Democrats. Sure. There's no, like, uh, I was listening to Charlie Kirk on the way here, and he's just like, Republicans are cowards, because he wants them never to compromise. Mm-hmm. Well, there's an element of that in Palestine, and they believe the land is theirs. Right. So why should they compromise? Right. And so they're going to fight, and they don't mind mm-hmm. dying. And uh, other nations, like Iran, don't mind Palestinians dying either. Right. And so they right. fund... You right. know, weapons of, of terror so that they can die. And, and it's just it's just this endless cycle. And mm. so and then as Christians, we come to church and we argue and we disagree and Satan wins and we go our own ways. Right. It, it, the whole thing is just this crazy process. But a uh, great, great question. Yeah. Uh, Phil, Phil, hopefully I answered that. And uh, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Thank you and so again, much. There, there might be a covenantal theologian that doesn't agree with me or a uh, dispensational. And so I, I did the best I could. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to frame uh, your position in a way that's bad, but. I know good Christians on both sides that, mm-hmm. that believe in both things. So, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Great. This is awesome. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can always submit your questions to move.sc forward slash ask. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. God bless, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc slash ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again and have a blessed day.